In this show, I talk to Coralie Sauruk about handling change in organisations. Often a painful experience for staff and customers, change projects frequently fail. We discuss how strong leadership is the key to successful change. Welcome to episode 109 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Whether you're listening to this on the train, on the plane, in a boat, or in the car, or even in the bath, I appreciate you downloading or streaming the show. I also wanted to thank you for the personal messages of condolence some of you sent me following my recent family bereavement. Thanks guys, it really does mean a lot. If you're looking for help putting together a marketing strategy, a simple marketing strategy for your business, please do get in touch. Similarly, if you're looking for a speaker for your next event, let's talk. But for now, let's get into this week's interview with Coralie Sauruk. We're going to chat about why so many change projects fail, engaging teams and making sure everyone understands the vision, why leadership, not management, is the key to successful change, and how leaders create the right environment for their people to succeed. Coralie helps global organisations create efficient team dynamics. She shapes healthy groups who use change to fuel innovation, leverage on diversity and support the next generation of leaders. Before setting up her own business, Coralie worked for many financial institutions across the world, including RBS and Group Armour Bank. So let's get into that interview with Coralie right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hey, Coralie, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hello, Roger. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Coralie, tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? Of course, I'm up in Edinburgh, as always. Uh, Well, I'm not that far away because I'm in the UK as well. I'm in London. Coralie, you're a bit of an expert when it comes to change within organisations, and you talk a lot about leadership within organisations. And that's the subject that we're going to have a chat about today and maybe deep dive into those issues. But before we get to that, Coralie, tell me a little bit about yourself. What makes you tick? So what makes me tick is fundamentally connecting and motivating people. And and it comes from one of my beliefs that I actually experienced in real life is that you, you don't deliver much when you don't have people that you put at the heart of any achievement. And this is what I'm really fascinated about, you know, how you can create positive relationships or shape people interactions and how you can get the same group of individuals to shift from may to woe uh, in just closing a gap that is really far more narrow than you can think of initially. And, and what got you into this particular area? Were you working in a in a organization which was focused heavily on change or did you or did you evolve into the positions yeah i i actually started as a change lead in the financial industry mm-hmm. and my main role was to act as a delivery advisor and providing independent assurance mm-hmm. and these guys usually called me when their strategic programs went off track and i was basically in charge of remediation 
Um, so I, I've done that uh, quite internationally as um, I've lived and worked in Europe, obviously, in Asia and in Africa. Uh, and delivering change in such different cultures and involving uh, so many different ways to do it uh, gave me a very strong experience on understanding, you know, what makes change work and going, you know, beyond process, going beyond structure and really understand that if you want these things and those initiatives to work, especially at a very large scale, you need to get your people to stick together and to perform together. Yeah, I think like you, I've been through many changes in many organizations and sometimes we, we, we seem to resist it, don't we? It's really calling the obvious. Uh, changes is something that goes very, very deep into, into ourselves personally. And when you go to, you know, large companies or financial institutions, usually those firms have to, to go into very deep transformation. And aside of the wider objective or the benefits you are trying to deliver, you have people who need to connect to what it means to them and how it can change their landscape on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is probably the number one uh, reason why change is so hard for us to get into because it impacts our habits immediately. I guess that a lot of people see change as cost-cutting or change as something that's going to threaten their jobs. Is, is it communication then that causes the problems? When, when companies want to change, are they not communicating at all levels within the organization? And, that, and that's what creates the disruption. I'm sort of setting you up here for, because obviously you help companies to do, to, to do this change and to communicate things. But I want to try to get to what the issues are that companies face when they are trying to move forward? Um, of course, communication is one factor, but beyond communication, I think it, it goes down to the real intention and, and how people welcome this intention. As, as you said, a lot of change initiatives have been stamped, uh, especially in the financial industry, as, as cost-cutting, as mm. offshoring, transformation, things that are very, very big. And when it comes to having this strategic vision that is usually very clear for the top of the house and, and you have the people who have to execute it, they, they, it's very hard for them to connect to the benefits and to ensure uh, that for them it will be a positive thing because what they see is maybe I will lose my job or mm. things are going to be different. What does it really mean for me as an individual in that organization? And I think that aside of the communication factor, the involvement of, you know, the top management, there are far deeper um, reasons for people to resist change. And the first one is just the fear of the unknown. And it goes into us as human beings. We, we are not programmed to welcome the unknown um, because our reptilian brain tells us all the time that the habit and things being as they are is the safe way to go. And again, I think the communication side of this comes in very importantly because I think the people at the top 
might be able to articulate amongst themselves why they want to change strategy or change business direction or cost cut or whatever it is that they want to do, hopefully for the best ultimately long term, but perhaps the communication of what they're after and what their goals are doesn't cascade down the organization in a clear manner and different people get different versions of the strategy and different rumors perhaps or the grapevine and that sort of thing and and it creates uncertainty and it adds to that that fear that people perhaps have yeah absolutely you know we we have to keep in mind that what is going through um the mind of a ceo or an executive their priorities are very much different from what goes through the mind of the people who are going to execute the change. And I think it's a very, very big challenge for anyone at any level to be able to extract the outcome and to make it real for people at all levels, be the executive who wants to improve performance, be the middle manager who who wants to make sure that people can grow through change and be the person who is executing the change and who is not necessarily completely connected to the benefit and the outcome. And of course, the way you communicate it, the way you prepare people for it makes a very big difference. If I take an example, um, if I tell you we are going to streamline your business and you know what, you will make better profits from a very top of the house perspective, you will think, oh, well, that's a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm seeing the big picture in the wider scheme of things. That's a very good thing for me. It's positive. But if I tell exactly the same message to somebody who's working for you, they will immediately wonder what goes beyond that. What does it mean for me? Is it that they want to cut some jobs? Is it that they want to do different things? And all of those questions, very basic questions, are often overlooked. And I feel, and that's what I experience myself, when you're in a position to explain people why we are doing what we are doing and how it's going to impact them in a positive way, be it better performance for the firm and therefore better benefits for them being um, opportunity to grow through a new job or a new development opportunity. This is where you can start to make a big difference as well as engagement. Um, as you said, you know, people are afraid, so people disengage very quickly. But as soon as you can get them to understand what their contribution is to that change, how they can make an impact, then you can start to build up on performance. So you help people, Coralie, with change and you get involved with the leadership within these organizations to help them to effectively cascade the correct messages from top to bottom. Was there a, a light bulb moment, wherever you were at the time, you might have been in a coffee shop, in a pub, in a park, on a plane, wherever it was, that you thought, I'm going to leave my job within a company and set up a business on my own as an entrepreneur to help companies with change? To be honest with you, it didn't happen uh, at the pub or at the coffee shop. It happened right in a meeting where we were trying to get a regulatory project for a large bank in the UK um, on track. And those guys were, we need to get it done mm -hmm. and get on with it. 
And the immediate answer was, do we have the people to do so? And the, the other answer from the guys were, but we have a process in place. We, we have uh, project management mechanics. We have everything. And I was um, challenging them on that. If you don't have people who are able to use it collectively, you won't get there. And this is where I thought this is what is missing. And this is why a lot of these initiatives fail. And I decided to focus on that aspect. You get so many delivery managers um, on the market. Mm -hmm. This is one way to fix it. But the other way, which can be far more performant, is to look at who is going to make it real. Mm -hmm. And this is when I decided to focus on the people. And so how did you go about setting up your business, Coralie? Um, well, initially, you know, I, I worked with relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very, very important, especially when you start, it's to have that very close network that can showcase your expertise, who know you, who trust you to do a good job. And then you start to um, tell them about how you can make it different. And when they realize that you're ready to offer a service. And again, you know, many people who are trying to set up a business focus a lot on the features, but they don't necessarily focus on what is the real impact you're going to make. Um, So focusing on how you can help directly is a very, very good asset to provide authority. And once you have authority, one relationship after the other, you can get to a pipeline of clients. And this is what I I did. I focused a lot on the relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe that you don't need 200 people to make your business successful. You need a core of 10 people at first and then from time to time you add on a new one uh, and you showcase that you can do a good job all the time. What would be this, the process then? Say I'm a, uh, I don't know, a medium-sized company and we're going through a period of change. What would be the process that you would take me through if I invited you in to help me with that change? Well, I think first I would spend a long time with you trying to understand what you want to achieve on the short term and what you want to get away with on the long term. You know, usually people are very much focused on the short term and and here we are talking about cost, performance, but they kind of oversee what is the long term thing you want to embed. So I would start with you, I would take a use case and I would just say, okay, let's go through that change. What are the symptoms? Because these are only things we can see, but these symptoms are triggered by probably a different um, problem in your organization. It could be your team is not efficient. It could be your team is not happy. It could be your team is not kind of up to standard. It could be your team doesn't understand how what they do can impact your business and working on those underlying issues and then we bring them back to what you want to achieve and we get people in motion we get people to work and observe how things work when they are actually in action and we fix them one by one through direct involvement through engagement with um, the team leaders as well you know a lot of issues in the workplace actually come from the team lead. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and then we see how we can help that team uh, regain confidence, how we can help them understand what are their strengths. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that. How many times people hear, you, you should develop in that area, but is it really your area of strength? Is it really where that individual is going to make an impact? And how that individual would feel about being told, you know, where their development should go to. So these are all those factors that come very much into play when you're talking about efficiency. And is it really just down to leadership, Coralie? Is that what we're saying here? doesn't matter whether change is large, small, medium-sized or, or, you know, seismic. It really does come down to the leadership of the company at all levels, from the very top to the team leaders that you mentioned there, in order to make it work. And if the leadership isn't strong, then it's just not going to it's not going to work. Of course, um, when you are talking about leadership, you you are talking about how you can make people do what they are meant to do and what they want to do and if you think of your change intention and it's completely disconnected to what people want to do or what they are able to do then it's part of the job to bring them on that journey and i felt a lot in large institutions that the thing that connector is processes, is systems, is let's get into a framework that will make sure it works. But I think we are now in a world where we should use those things as tools and be back to ourselves and think at all levels, how can we make sure we drive people to do things that are impactful, things that are driving growth. And a lot of that comes from influencing and if you are unable to influence people, you won't be able to get them in motions. And how do you how do you get people into that frame of mind? What do the leaders within a, in a business, the team leaders, the senior executives, what sort of culture do they need to create with an organization to make sure that all this happens smoothly? Um, I would say that if you consider today's landscape, especially in big organizations, you have functional lines where Everybody has a very specific responsibility over some part of the end-to-end -end process. Mm -hmm. But this is not efficient any longer because it's not flexible. And I think that this is, you know, where the future is for any organization is to be able to flex. Because let's be honest, the competition nowadays doesn't really come from direct competitors it comes from market transitions. Mm. So if you're back to your change initiative, if you're trying to, you know, fit a square into a circle, you, you will always have some bits and bobs coming outside of it. So from a pure leadership perspective, these guys really need to rethink the, their team structures. They need to see through the process. They need to connect skills, behavior, decision makers, people, relationships, so that they can fix their problems. And it's something that is still very new, at least in, I would say, in the financial sector. It's probably far more advanced in, you know, technology, startups, or, or very innovative businesses. I think I agree. And having worked in big financial services companies, I think that uh, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, 
the leadership does get it wrong and and I include myself within that leadership category because I've been there and and I think that if you don't get the communication right if you don't give people if you don't make people involved if you don't involve them and you don't let them see the direction you're going in then you just you just don't bring them along with you and it becomes very painful and ultimately the project fails and then what happens is you'll embark upon another change program later and probably just follow all the same mistakes again but getting people involved right from the start giving them the same vision that the people at the top have gives you a better chance of success yes uh, of course i think it comes down to sharing and and creating those relationships if if i can give you a real life example that i i worked on myself um, some time back, I, I've been asked to, to help a team who, who couldn't deliver then. And if you took all those individuals independently, very smart people, very good level of expertise, good interpersonal skills, everything was there. And when I took over that team, um, the first thing I asked them is what, what is missing? Why you guys cannot collectively uh, go and reach the extra mile that you are all capable of? What, what's wrong there? And we realized that they were nearly misguided into their intentions by the fact that they had very few visibility on what was you know, the reality of mm-hmm. what they wanted to achieve. They mm-hmm. were given a, a broad objective, but something that came down from a sponsor. And, you know, the usual way, get on with it. Yes. But sometimes it's not enough. (laughs) It's far not enough. So um, we worked back into what can we collectively do as a team? Who is the best to do part A or B or C of the process? And then how can we make it meaningful for us? And suddenly everybody could see what their involvement had to be in the full delivery process and they could you know come up with i think i can i can help with that bit or this is the bit i'm usually in charge of and this is what i propose and you have you know vacuum of ideas that come because people really make a meaningful connection because that big strategic objective suddenly becomes reality and a reality that they feel part of yeah i was watching a video recently coralie um by a thought leader called Simon Sinek. I think um, you're a bit bit of a fan of this guy as well. And he, he, he painted the picture very clearly for me that a lot of leaders have this in their head that they are personally responsible for the delivery of whatever it is. So you might have a top salesman who sits there saying, I'm responsible for delivering a million pounds worth of sales revenue. But the reality is, he is responsible for creating a great environment for his team to create a hundred million pounds of revenue. And there's a massive difference there. And I think you've effectively just articulated that with what you've said. It's creating that environment so that everybody feels part of the delivery of the ultimate change or the ultimate goal, um, I suspect. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and if I can add something, um, I, I feel that there is a bit of misunderstanding of what is leading and mm. what is managing. Mm. You know, nowadays, everybody's a leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but when you come down to the reality of it, what is managing? Managing is, is kind of the easy bit because managing is following processes, following rules, put control in place. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, observing what's happening and, and make sure that you keep your direction. When you're going to leading, it's empowering people to find the rules, empowering people to find the process that work for them to perform. Because at the end of the day, everything is achieved by a group of people, you know, um, I don't know if you know that that quote, uh, I think it's from Maxwell that said, um, nothing in the history of humanity has been ever achieved by a single human being. And it's true. If you think about anything that has ever been done, there's always been more than one people. And this is where leadership comes into play. Those people, the ones who can perform, are those who can find by themselves the rules, who can define the processes, who can find, you know, the margin for improvement because they have someone uh, at the top who's actually um, igniting that that sense of, of making it better but not telling them exactly what they have to do. Do you think, Coralie, especially within the financial services industry, that there's perhaps an over focus on the short term when there should be also a, um, a focus on the long term. And, and, and I speak it here from experience as well. There was always that we've got to hit this year's target. Therefore, everything everything gets dropped to focus on hitting this year's target. And then next year, it's next year's target rather than actually sitting down and saying, OK, the short term is important. There are targets that we need to make, but we've got to look longer term. Do you think the short term sometimes prevents us from thinking long term? I think so. And again, you know, it's it's done to what is the tangible result we want to achieve and the tangible what we can see, what we can measure, uh, especially when we are done to financial uh, services where metrics are very important. It's always cost related, mm. um, but they often oversee the intangible results and here I'm talking about the power to innovate um, I'm talking about engagement mm-hmm. I'm talking about agility or having a healthy working atmosphere but I feel too that they are slowly coming to that long-term sustainable view and mostly because of the demographics of today mm-hmm. um, nowadays we are in the workplace working with three different generations Mm -hmm. and a workplace is a very good place to think of what's happening in the real world as well we have today three completely different generations who are on the market buying things banking um, downloading apps Mm. and a big part of the generation that is coming is actually very long-term, very sustainability focused. Mm -hmm. So they will have to move towards long-term. They will have to find a way to engage this new generation who has the power to buy. Mm -hmm. And it will come down to making sure they have this transition in place directly in the workplace. And having cost as a measure is good, but it's not often enough. It's probably often enough from a bonus perspective or from a career progression perspective. Mm -hmm. But I doubt that if you deliver great financial results, but at the end of the year, you have a super high um, attrition rate, I doubt that your top leader will congratulate you for a good job. (laughs) No, absolutely (laughs) not. 
Coralie, what would be the one big idea that you'd like those people listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast today to take away from the experiences you've had working with these companies and building your own business? I think um, that big idea to take away would be the way you look at costs mm. because in financial services cost is, is is there every time and if you think of what is your cost especially in the context of change you have cost of prevention cost of anticipation cost of remediation and usually change activities are there to fix the cost of remediation. If you put things into perspective, prevention is a 10% cost. Anticipation is around 50% cost. Mm-hmm. Remediation, 110%. So if they want to, to, to take away with something to think of is make sure you use your change and your leadership to focus on prevention and anticipation mostly. Get it right, be agile, and being agile is to have the collective ability to be empowered to work in the way that makes people perform and um, get guys to understand who they are as a group, give them an identity instead of, you know, finding the best tactic to kind of increase the margin. Because when you can get people from a place of short-term cost into this is my contribution to the long-term, you got the engagement, you got the motivation. Absolutely. Coralie, it's been fascinating to talk about change and to talk about leadership and what you've done in this area. What I also like to talk about on the podcast is things that you observe outside of what you do day to day. So tell me about, a, and this could be a business model or it could be a product or a marketing campaign, something that's caught your attention in the last year. Tell me a little bit about it and what you liked about it. I would say from a marketing perspective, um, it's the end of cold calling. It's something that we knew or we felt, but as 2016 closes, it's clear that it's not the way to go. And I found it fascinating to see those topics uh, being discussed at Inbound Marketing um, Conference, for Mm. instance where they made the focus on what is important is one prospect, the quality of relationships over uh, over the quantity of, of them and engagement is what matters. Because if we put things into perspective and, and we are brutally honest, um, in in today's world, a lot of the marketing is done on the web mm. and it's a crowded place. Impact now um, will come from communities how you know what your people, how you know well, and how you can best, best serve them. And for me, it's nearly a big relief to have very important thought leaders in marketing to say, get 10 or 100 warm connections instead of 10,000 followers, mm-hmm. because these warm connections are going to make money with you, not the others. Yeah, and of course, within the financial services industry at the moment, there's actually a petition being put towards government to say, let's ban cold calling when it comes to pensions freedoms. Now, I fully support that, and and there's a lot of very influential people within the financial services industry are fully supporting that. But I would like to see the end of cold calling full stop. You know, okay, if somebody phones me up and starts going on about pensions, I'll get annoyed. But I also get annoyed when people phone me up about PPI or people phone me up trying to sell me um, insulation or double glazing to quote the cliche so I think that's that's really really important. Coralie 
thinking about business books now, I always like to ask that question. What's the best business book that you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and, and what you took from it. Um, from far, the one that had a big impact, a deep impact on me was The Entrepreneur's Solution by mm-hmm. Mel Abraham. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about I've, that I've book? Not, I've not come across this one. I will send it to you then. Um, it was a massive eye-opener in terms of rethinking what definition of wealth is. You usually, you know, in a lot of entrepreneurial books, they, they tell you about the mechanics, like what you need to implement and, and your marketing and your audience and your product, you know, all of, all of those things um, that are, of course, important in the course of a business. But in the entrepreneur solution, Mel connects those mechanics to what you need personally to create wealth. And what is wealth? You know, is it your income for the year? Is it having a fulfilled life? Is it, you know, the, the gratitude you can feel when you have one of your clients sending you a large email telling you, well, you, you basically changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, he puts it into um, a, a very, very good concept that I like very much, which is have some power being purpose driven instead of being profit obsessed. Because being purpose driven is coming from your mindset, your identity, your impact, your influence. And those are very important things when you're a business owner. And your profit will come from your actions. So your marketings, your product, your pricing. And if you want real wealth, you need to align both. That's fantastic. Coralie, how can people get in touch with you? Um, so the, the easiest way to, to get in touch is obviously to pay a visit to my website, which is www.coraliesavrick.com, but I'm pretty sure you will drop a link um, in the show notes. And otherwise, I'm mostly active on Twitter, at Coralie Savrick uh, uh, as a handle. Um, and otherwise, you can send me a LinkedIn request. I usually accept people if <laughs> they ask nicely. <laughs> and of course, I'll include those links in the show notes, as you say, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Coralie, it's been fascinating to talk to you today. Lots of resonance with what you're saying about leadership, lots of resonance with what you're saying about change. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and hopefully I'll see you in a few weeks' time at the Upreneur Christmas Meetup. Oh yeah, I hope so. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks a lot for having me, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay?